We're going to do some things different today. And uh, as we transition into the sermon, uh, I'm hoping that it would be, number one, engaging, but more so, inspiring us to step into something new and how we walk out our journey in our faith. And uh, let me start off by saying that when I was praying about the fathers that we have had, I mentioned the good, the bad, and the great. And all of fathers, Paul talks about that, and he says, while we all had earthly fathers, we honored them, we obeyed them, we have a heavenly father who is the perfect father. And we don't always give him the credit that he deserves because we don't understand fatherhood in the perfect way that he is father. And sometimes for some people who have had abusive fathers, absent fathers, the concept or the idea of God as father is difficult to receive. But if we look at the scripture, Isaiah the prophet wrote these words many hundreds of years ago, before even Jesus was born. And he wrote in said these words in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. He said, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called, now listen to the names that he lists, he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He's not talking about God the Father. There's only one God. He has three expressions or persons, we call them. He represents himself to us in these three ways, as Father, as Son, and as Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is invisible, but we feel his presence. We feel his movements. The wind is invisible, but if there's wind, the trees, the flags, the flowers, the dandelions, you can see them waving. You can't see the wind, but you can see the effect of the wind. The Father is totally invisible to us, but we also know when we experience his love and his embrace. But the Son the expression or the person of God as son came into this world as a child who was born. He became a son in expression, in person. He learned obedience as a son, the Bible says. And then God gave him authority. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, he says in Matthew 28. So he is mighty God. He is wonderful counselor. He'll come alongside like the best friend you've ever had. He'll put his arm around you and he will guide you. He will give you advice. He will walk with you. He will share his heart with you. Everlasting father. So all of a sudden this son 
in his sonship has been now made into an everlasting father. So he's our father. And he is the prince of peace. In this world that is so much turmoil, in this world that, you know, we've just gone through a global pandemic for crying out loud. That doesn't happen every day. We survived it. Many didn't. Their bodies couldn't handle the infection. As best as our medical system was, they couldn't deal with it. Many of us are still suffering some kind of effect from it. Some because of the infection itself, some because of the vaccine, some because of whatever. But we're not the same people, but we're out of it. Or are we? Whatever. We're close to being out of it. It may be here with us forever. But the point is, he comes and he brings peace in the midst of all of this. So, how do now we become the children of this father? Well, John, the apostle, put it this way. In John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, he says, Yet to all who received him, how do you receive someone? Well, when Ali Reza was speaking with us, we received him. We opened our heart to him. We loved him. And he opened his heart to us. And you heard his testimony today. He received us as his family. So to all who receive him, to all who open their heart to Jesus, who believe in his name, that he is the child who became the son, who became the everlasting father, to all of those people, he gave the right, the authority, to become children of God, because he is mighty God. Children born not of natural descent, not like I am born of George. That's who my father was, me and Remy. And his father was Riscala. So it wasn't because of that, that we were born to be children of God. It was something else. Not of humor decision or husband's will. But born of God. So what I want to spend some time today is looking out how that happens. But we're going to have fun doing it. Are you ready? You don't look like you're too excited. You don't look like you're too... Uh, ready for fun. Maybe you're ready for a deep sermon and something heavy. Not today. Uh, so here is the story. I'm going to look at examples of people that became people who are known as children of God, but I want to use different words. Okay? Different words. Paul in 1 Corinthians says these words. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Why does he say it that way? He's writing to Jewish people living in the first century who are familiar with the concept of a rabbi and a disciple and a follower. People at that time, men especially, would align themselves with a rabbi or a teacher. And they would take his lifestyle and live after his way. To the point that if a rabbi would... If a rabbi was to walk 
in the street by limping a bit, they would walk in the street by limping a bit. Because they were following his example. It's kind of silly, but it tells you how aligned they are. If a rabbi sat on the floor to eat his meal and crossed his right leg over his left leg, they would do the same. If he reached for a glass with his left hand, not too many people did because that was the wrong hand. It was the hand used for other things, washrooms, but it was the right hand. But if he would stir his water with his right finger index, they would do the same. It was that kind of expression. But those are the outward things. But if he believed in the resurrection of the dead, they would believe in the resurrection of the dead. So when he's writing and saying, follow my example, as I follow the example of Jesus, he's saying, in other translations, it says, imitate me. Follow me, the King James says, as I follow Christ. So we're going to talk about how people became followers of Jesus. What happened? The first followers of Jesus, it tells us in John chapter 1. John the Baptist was going around baptizing people. And he would tell them, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then Jesus comes to him and Jesus gets baptized by him. On another day, oops, John was there again. And with two of his disciples, later we find out the names of these disciples. One of them was Andrew, and the other was John. John the Evangelist, the one who wrote the Gospel of John and the letters of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. So they were there, and he points to Jesus, and he says, Behold, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Up until that point, they were who? They were following John the Baptist. But when they saw and heard John the Baptist say, Behold, look, the Lamb of God. In other words, he was preaching. He was sharing publicly. They immediately turned around and followed Jesus. Okay? Now, this is all in chapter 1 of John. John 1, 40, 42. Andrew, one of the guys that came, the disciples of John the Baptist, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard John said, uh, had, what John had said and had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did, pay attention, the first thing he did after he followed Jesus was what? After he found, uh, uh, excuse me, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon, the first thing, and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. So now we see two examples. The first example is someone preaching, behold the Lamb of God. And someone making the decision. The second example is not someone preaching. It's someone who has a relationship with someone else that goes and tells them, hey listen, I found Jesus. Jesus is the Messiah. He saves. Yeshua means God saves. The third type that we can see here, also in John chapter 1, the next day, Jesus decided to leave Galilee for Galilee. Finding Philip, so now we've seen Andrew and John, we've seen Simon Peter, now we see Philip. 
And Jesus says to him, follow me. So we see the preacher, look at the Lamb of God. We see the friend or brother, I found Jesus. And now we find Jesus himself speaking to someone and saying, follow me. Nothing has changed throughout history. These three ways are the three main ways people become followers of Jesus. So what, what happens after that? Philip found Nathaniel and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathaniel uh, replies and he says, Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? So he says to him, come and see. And the next verse, it says that Nathaniel went and talked to Jesus. Again, same thing. A preacher, a friend, Jesus directly. And we see examples. I'm, I'm going to skip through the rest of these verses. So I want to summarize it this way. Uh, in the book of Acts, sorry, let me just go this way. In the book of Acts, I'm going to jump real quick through here. Okay. Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost. We just celebrated Pentecost a couple of weeks ago. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes on the disciples to give them the tongues of fire, the gifts of speaking in tongues, all of those outward manifestations and supernatural signs and wonders. And we don't want to be people that get distracted by the signs and the wonders and miss the purpose of the baptism of the Spirit. The purpose of the baptism of the Spirit, Jesus told them very plainly, when I go to the Father, he will send you the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he, the Holy Spirit, God, will give you what? Besides the comfort, he said something very specific before he left. Power. He will give you power to do what? Heal the sick? Yes. Raise the dead? Yes. But that's not what he said. He will give you power to what? Be my... Say it out loud, everybody. Witnesses. To be my witnesses. It's all about that. The power that the Holy Spirit gives us is specifically, primarily, the number one reason that he gives us power. The objective, the goal, the target, the mission, the vision, the core of all of what the Holy Spirit is giving to us. Yes, he gives us tongues so that we can pray in the Spirit. Yes, he gives us power so that we can raise the dead and heal the sick and speak into the, the life of others and set them free. All of those things are part of it. But they are part of it because his goal is that we, the church, become his witnesses. Why? So that men and women and children can be saved and become followers of Jesus. If we get distracted with the gifts, if we get distracted with the supernatural, all good, don't get me wrong, I'm not poo-pooing any of that. But if we get distracted with that and not become his witnesses, we've missed the point. So when he says, follow me, 
as I follow Christ, what did Christ do? He started his mission. And what was his message? Repent, for the kingdom of God is here. He went around and did all the healings. He went around and raised the dead, healed the blind, spat on the, mud, on the ground, made mud and put it in the eyes. Remember? All of that. But that was so that people would be saved from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. So now, we can summarize all of it this way. And then, you know, on the day of Pentecost, I told you power came. The first thing that they did was speak in tongues. And people got excited. What, what, I hear my tongue. I hear my language. So they spoke in Arabic. They spoke in Greek, in Italian, in, I don't know, Portuguese. All the different languages. Indian. It tells you. All kinds of languages that were spoken of on the day of Pentecost by the 120 that were in the upper room. And that attracted people's attention for what? For them to come so that when the power had come on Peter, Peter did what? He stood and he preached. And he, with many words, preached the message of who Jesus was. And then what happened? They said to him, what must we do? And he said, repent and be saved, every one of you. And the Bible says, Acts chapter 2, those who accepted his message, in other words, opened their hearts and received Christ. In other words, they received that message. Were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. Through what method? Through Peter preaching. As the church continued to grow, there was some people that were standing against it. The Jewish leaders didn't want them to preach. But more and more start, people started to share their life with others. And as they shared, look how many. It says that those that were telling their stories, they heard the message of those that had believed. And the more they heard the message, don't get distracted, pay attention up here. The more they heard the message, I know he's cuter, okay? But he's not the messenger here today. The more they heard the message, they got more into opening their hearts. And look, there were 3,000 that were added. How many are we at today? 5,000. How did the 2,000 get added? Through one like Nathaniel, through one like Andrew, etc from those that shared the gospel because the Holy Spirit had come on them. Okay. So I'm going to skip this and we're going to jump down to... That day, already things were beginning to happen. The lame man was healed. Silver and gold we have none, but with what we have we give to you. And the man stood up and he was saved and, or healed. And word got out. So day by day, day after day, in the temple courts, they would stand. And that one of the disciples would preach in the temple court. Like a street preacher. Okay? So that was a preacher. They never stopped teaching and proclaiming. And look at the second line. And what? From house to house that wasn't preaching you don't go to someone's house and preach do you 
I'm a preacher. And I don't go to people's house and preach. Maybe I have done it. But that's not the right way to do it. You talk. You eat. You speak. You fellowship. You share. You open your story. And they hear it. And proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. So we see both methods. But there is a third method. And the third method is now the method that is being used by God in the area where there's a lot of persecution of Christians. He appears to people in dreams. Adam, you know, Monica's husband, came to us way back, a number of years ago, and he shared that he had a dream of this man standing on top of different coffins and inviting him. A few weeks ago, we had Melody with us. And she was saying that as I asked everybody to stand, she saw this figure behind me, arms open, inviting her. We've heard of many stories of people in the Arab world, in Iran, in Turkey, that see visions and dreams of Jesus. And they get invited. So the following of Jesus happens in these ways. Through preaching, the two disciples of John and the 3,000, we saw that already. Through a personal uh, invitation, like Simon, who Andrew went and told, Nathaniel, who Philip and told, and the next 2,000 that were added day by day. And through direct invitations from Jesus saying, follow me directly. You know who else had that kind of thing? So the Iranians and the Turks and the Arabs that see Jesus in dreams and visions, they're not the first. You know who, after Jesus left, he was still calling people to follow him. The first one, do you remember who that was? On the road to Damascus. A man by the name of Saul. Jesus appears to him and blinds him because of the brightness of the light that blinds him. And he says, why are you persecuting me? And Jesus immediately was revealed to Saul and he became Paul. And we enjoy his writings as one of the most prolific writers in the New Testament. Out of these three methods, direct revelation from Jesus, follow me. A personal invitation. Hey, listen, I discovered Jesus. Let me share about it. Or through a preacher. All three of those are the only, not the only, the main ways, maybe even the only, but the main ways we see in the Bible, and in our experience of how we came to follow Jesus. So I'm going to invite a few people. Very quickly, they're going to share, they're going to answer questions. So Amanda, Salpi, Katya, uh, Dawson, and Lara, come on up here real quick. Real quick. We, we're 17 minutes before we wrap up. And I have a three-minute video at the end. So we've got like 10 minutes to get this through. Come on in. Come on up here. You can, I know the stage is kind of crowded, but you can make your way up here. Okay. Can you all see them okay? I'm going to try to stand out of the way. Uh, okay, let's start with you, Salpi. You're a follower of Jesus? Yes. Do you have a, a time in mind where you know you weren't and now you are? Y yes. What happened? Um, I... In Sunday school, 
is when I heard my teacher, so preacher, (laughs) talk about Jesus, and I wanted to uh, receive him Mm -hmm. in my life. So you made the decision right after the preaching or the teaching? Yes. Okay. So it wasn't a one-on-one, it was one-on-many? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Amanda, what about your story? Um, I think there were probably two moments. I mean, initially, when I gave my heart to the Lord, I was a child. So my parents... um, Christians and uh, so I guess that side that that happened through personal you know I don't recall too much Sunday school teaching at that point I think that was the influence of my parents and then as a teenager I think I kind of recommitted my life to the Lord and I think that came mainly through our youth leaders at the time and the teaching that they gave was to me very um, very different from what I'd heard before and and quite life that was a life-changing kind of experience for me so I got saved in Sunday school actually remember it being with my aunt Mukur but then I got saved again because (laughs) there was another Sunday school and they were like you if you want to make sure (laughs) so I I I went home I ate a carrot and I got saved again so yes Uh, rabbits. And Thank you. Do you want to get saved again today? It was at a youth conference. I was about 12 or 13. And um, yeah, I got saved. It was, uh, I mean, I grew up in the church. But, the, but it was a very clear moment that I remember. And um, yeah, I experienced him. And then. I got resaved when I, well, you know what, I, I don't say resaved, I was saved and then, you know, your walk gets yeah. shaky and then it was, it was probably in my 20s that I recommitted, yeah. Awesome, thank you. Dawson, come on up close a little bit, tell us your story. Can I hold the mic? So, my story is actually a love story, all right, and the love, love story starts, where do I begin to tell the story of where this true love came to be? Where do I start? And this is where I'm going to start. I was a young boy, 13 years old. My cousin called me to a church and come, this pastor's come. I didn't know what the pastor was. We only knew priest because we were Catholic. Pastor was new. What is this pastor guy? Wow. So he took me and when I entered that church, it was a different place. I was so happy. I was on cloud nine. I was just this happy. I started preaching. I was, we were very poor my torn clothes, I was preaching at the railway station and subway, it's called the railway station there. I was reading out pamphlets, my friends are laughing at me, they call me some beautiful names, but it was all in love. Because it was strange for them, right, to see this, but I was filled with the Holy Spirit actually. And they didn't, I was like loaded. My father was against it, he didn't know what this is new, this new preaching. So actually it was a pastor from England who came with his guitar and a backpack, and he opened many churches there. His name is Pastor Duncan, and their church was called Living Word. And that's where my true love came to be. In no wind, I caught this true love. And he never let go of me, actually. I left, he pulled me back. But my Damascus encounter happened in Toronto, in City River. And you'll know about it. My encounter with the Lord and my son, Joshua. Father's Day is the most juiciest day for me. Mm-hmm. So, 
I tell people about my testimony about City River. Why come to City River? And I give them two lines. They say, you go to church to pray, but I go to City River to meet God. And uh, there was a lady who didn't believe me. She came and she broke down mm. in tears. Wow. The Holy Spirit landed on her. Thank this you. is where I come, wow. to meet God. Beautiful church. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No cash rewards. No, no cash rewards. No chocolate. <laughs> All right. Wasn't that powerful? Now, each one of us is part of this chain domino effect chain reaction and you know we are here today 2,000 years since Jesus retelling the same story following the same example living the same way as disciples of this rabbi actually Nathaniel when Philip told him went and spoke to Jesus and he says rabbi what's going on use the word rabbi Many would call Jesus rabbi because he was now a model for them, an example for them. So, and it became a global family. Billions of people through history have come to be part of this family, following the example of Jesus. Now, some are not very good example followers. Just like the fathers. Some who are great fathers show us God as father very easily. But some fathers are not so good and they don't do a very good job of showing us the father. It's the same with us as children of God. Some of us try but we're not just <coughs> doing it. And there's, you know, Gandhi. Was it Gandhi? When, uh, when he was introduced to Christianity, he loved what Jesus was saying. He says, you know, I would follow Christ if it wasn't for his disciples. Why? Because we weren't that good. We haven't been that good in expressing. So, I'm following him. I may not be perfect at it, but I'm trying. I'm trying to follow. I'm trying to follow his way. You're part of this family now. So my words to you, like Paul, would be follow me. As I follow him. If you find me failing in an area of following him, come and talk to me. I'm open. Because I really want to follow his way. So if you see me off a little bit, you know, if he's walking straight and I'm walking with a limp, come and tell me about that limp. I'm open. But I expect that we all follow together. Because that's the only way that City River or the church anywhere can be part of this global movement of what Jesus is doing. Jesus was the first one. We're all following him. Okay? Don't make the mistake of saying, I'm, my only leader is Jesus. He has given you leaders all throughout. He's given you imperfect leaders. As a matter of fact, he disappeared off the scene. And he left the twelve to become the followers that became the leaders. So I have a video that I'm going to show. 
So if the tech team can maybe just reset the audio system so that we can play this and make sure that it, it goes well. This video shows us what it takes to create a movement. Many of you may have seen it. It's called Shirtless Dancing Guy. Have you seen it? Maybe. Okay, it was actually presented as a TED Talk. It's three minutes long, but it makes the point of this entire sermon. It talks about Jesus as being that first one that was a little bit crazy and bringing this new love and this new way, and he gives us this new commandment, love this way, like I have loved you, by giving my life for you, who don't deserve it, forgive your enemies, bless your enemies, bless those who curse you, all the stuff that he said, we are following that. And if you're not forgiving, like Jesus told us to forgive, you're limping in that area. You're not following him well. Okay? Thankfully, God has spoken to me well enough that I'm leading you in this area of walking in forgiveness, walking in releasing grace. Follow me. Okay? So, as you watch this video, you'll see Jesus. You'll see Peter on the day of Pentecost. You'll see the others and you'll see yourself. So let's watch this video together. Jesus. And ladies and gentlemen, that is of how a movement is made. 
So let's recap what we've learned. If you are a version of the shirtless dancing guy, all alone, remember the importance of nurturing your first few followers as equals, making everything clearly about the movement, not you. Be public, be easy to follow. But the biggest lesson here, did you catch it? Leadership is over-glorified. Yes, it started with the shirtless guy, and he'll... But you saw what really happened. It was the first follow that transformed a lone nut into a leader. There's no movement without the first follow. See, we're told that we all need to be leaders, but that would be really ineffective. The best way to make a movement, if you really care, is to courageously follow and show others how to follow. When you find a lone nut doing something great, have the guts to be the first person to stand up and join in. So I invite you. I saw the lone nut, Jesus. He was shirtless on the cross. He demonstrated how to love, how to forgive, how to bring together people that are different into one. I started to follow him. Will you follow me as I follow him? Will you be as crazy? Will you do the crazy things? We're not going to have any impact unless we align. You're aligning with me as your pastor, yes. But don't be afraid. My alignment is with him. And I've told you, I'm open. If you find my alignment a little bit off, come and talk to me. We have leaders that walk with me. Ara and Salpi, Aaron, Laura and Patrick, Lauren, she's not here right now, but they, they're, we walk as leaders, as families, as couples. Mark and Sarah, Silva and I, five families, five couples. But there's many others all throughout. We have elders, Vahram and Navart, Avidis and Anu. But we have many. We're trying to walk in this way. So who is the next person that as you get up out of your seat and jump on and join the crowd and start dancing foolishly? Who is it that the Lord is putting on your heart to share this dance with? So that they too would be encouraged to open their heart to him and follow. So I'm going to ask you to stand in a minute, but think about who it is that the Lord is putting on your heart today. We have a bank, or, or I was going to say banquet. It's, it will be a banquet next Sunday, the potluck. Invite somebody to the service. Tell them we have great coffee, amazing worship music. The presence of God is so heavy that you can feel him. The messages are, eh, not bad. But then the food after that is going to be amazing. So come with me to church on Sunday. Would you do that? Think of one person. If it's too full downstairs, we'll put tables up here. If it's too full up here and downstairs, we'll sit outside. It doesn't matter. Don't let the size be your limitation. But who is the Lord putting on your heart? Stand with me. Father, we just are amazed at the grace that you, Jesus, have shown us and the mercy that you have shown us. All through our lives, Lord, you've been good to us. You've been faithful. 
Father, today, as we heard from the different mouths of the people that were up here, they each encountered you in a, in a different way. It wasn't through the preacher. It wasn't through direct revelation only. It wasn't through a preacher only, but it was through a relationship. Someone that invited them to something. Someone that said something to them. So Lord, we want to demonstrate the goodness of Jesus in our lives. And we give you ourselves. We say we are aligned with you. We're aligned with one another. Our earlier talked about fathers. In the church, we endeavor to be good fathers. To model to the next generation. Whether it's older or younger people, it doesn't matter. But spiritually, we're all a generation after the other. So Father, work among us. Transform us into a movement. The river never stands still. It becomes a lake. But it's a movement. So take us a city river. Change us. Transform us. And flow through us to touch lives. We give you glory. We give you honor. And we thank you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.